Hello, you're listening to Eve, Where Are You? A show designed to confront toxic practices against women in the church. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Davis, conflict coach and resolutionist. Okay, we are back with another episode of Eve, Where Are You? I am here again with my wonderful husband, Tony. Hey, babe. Hey, I like you calling me wonderful. So, hey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Good. We are really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, If you are just joining us for the very first time, I am Dr. Nicole Davis, and we have been going through the scriptures, talking about women, the role of women. In the last few episodes, we were in the book of Genesis. And this week, we will start the conversation in the book of Corinthians. I'm not sure how... First Corinthians. First Corinthians. I'm not sure how far we will get into First Corinthians um, because we have a lot of preliminary work that we think is important to prepare us for this conversation before we go into the scriptures because... There's so much to these scriptures that keep us from moving forward that the real time, energy, conversation, and thoughtfulness about these scriptures is necessary for us to do differently from what we've done when we've heard this, these scriptures talked about in the past. Now, as for the two of us, Tony and I are co-founders of Empower to Engage. This is a consulting and coaching firm, and we provide education, training, and consulting services for families and organizations in the areas of marriage, parenting, and leadership. We're also co-authors of the Done Right book series, of which is available on Amazon, and we have Marriage Done Right is Hard Work, But It's Worth It, a 31-day guide to put the fun, fire, and focus back in your marriage. Then there's Parenting Done Right is Hard Work, But It's Worth It. A 31-day guide with practical and effective parenting tips to win the battle for your children. And then finally, leadership done right is hard work, but it's worth it. 31 essential disciplines to becoming a leader of impact from the inside out. Yeah, and with all three of those books, we deal with the primary issues that are facing everybody. We talk about the individual with the leadership book. Uh, We talk about uh, the marriage relationship, which is going to impact everything you do once you decide to go down that path. And then for those of us who have children, you know, how do we um, connect with those children and, and raise them to be the godly children that God has called them to be? But the, the, there are um, some key words in, in, in each one of those titles, as you may have heard Nicole say. Um, we call it um, done right is hard work because you have to put in the hard work. There is no magic formula other than hard work and you have to do it. And what these books will challenge you to do is to put in the hard work. It's just like with um, exercise. People say, I want to be um, in shape, I want to be sexy, I want to look good, I want to feel good. And regardless of what you see on the market today, at the end of the day, it comes back to diet and exercise. And that's what these books are going to have you do. It's going to to be a constant diet of exercising and putting in the hard work so that you get the results you want in every area of your life. Mm -hmm. And we've also, uh, over the past couple of years, I think it was more so 2018, we did a a number of videos about various topics in these books. And you can find those videos on our Empower to Engage YouTube channel. 
So go take a look or on our Facebook page, we have Empower to Engage. We also have a website, Empower to Engage. And uh, we love your feedback. If you have any comments, questions, feel free to shoot us an email, info at empowertoengage.com, and we will uh, answer them expeditiously. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So we are here. We are getting ready to have this conversation that is taking us into 1 Corinthians. Um, as you are aware, if you followed along with us up to this point, we talked about Genesis, Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, really just wanting to understand God's intent when he created woman in the Garden of Eden, uh, Eve and Adam. And we, um, we took some time to go through those scriptures and have received some really good responses, comments, and stories based on that information that we've shared. And so now we want to do the same thing as we're entering into the New Testament to tackle 1 Corinthians 14, 34 through 35 first. And what we want to do, uh, as we did with Genesis, we talked about, you know, the Bibles that we use. We talked about the importance of considering the, it is also written like um, juxtaposing scriptures against one another to really get a fuller, more thorough, extensive understanding of what you are seeing. And this then requires you to start studying the Bible. So we're going beyond the reading and we are diving in. And if you could see uh, our setup right now as we are getting ready to share this information with you, it's because the importance of the topic requires that we look beyond just what is on the page of 1 Corinthians 14, 34 to 35. So without further ado, I'm going to give my wonderful husband, I called you wonderful already, didn't I? You like that word? I love that word. Okay. I'm going to pass it to you and let you just kind of take us in and start this conversation. Well, you gave me this scripture to, to look at because you said that this is one of the uh, main New Testament scriptures that a lot of people go to that just shut the women down. Right. right? And so, but even before we dive into this scripture, as you said, we have to, we have to go back a little bit. And I know I, I know it with uh, this scripture is talking about women in general and the, the topic of your, your book. Um, Eve, where are you? You're talking about women's place in, in, in life and then even uh, more specifically in leadership positions and then even leadership positions within organizations and leadership positions in organizations such as the church, right? Now, this isn't necessarily a particular uh, scripture talking about leadership positions, but it's talking about women. But with, with that being said, I think there are some certain things, there are certain things we need to even just look at just contextually and just um, philosophically mm -hmm. before we look at how do we apply this scripture or do we just look at it and say, hey, hey women, um, shut your mouth, go sit down, be quiet, and, and you're a perpetual um, a five-year-old with nothing to say, right? So, all right, so now, but I'm going to start at a high level. Let's talk about women in ministry. First and foremost, um, I think if you want to go into ministry, I think we need to look at it from a different perspective than a lot, a lot of the ways that people look at it here in the 21st century. When we talk about ministry, a lot of people are looking at this being some kind of glamorous call, some kind of glamorous position. I want that and I can be the big shot. But when you look at ministry scripturally, you'll see that it may not yield those kind of results. You know, you can you can look at somebody like a, a, a Jeremiah who. You know, when when he was called, and as a matter of fact, he tried to say, hey, I can't even speak, Lord, I don't want to do this. And God said, yeah, I mean, I've called those who I've called you to. You need to go talk to them. 
And yet you go talk to people and it's like, they're like, oh, forget you, man. And subsequently you become, become known as the weeping prophet, right? Or you can even look at somebody like Paul, even with his conversion, after he got into ministry, we see in, in the New Testament, like one, one of my favorite examples is in Acts 3. When you look at Acts 3, you look at all the great things he, he did there. But then in, in Acts 4, you see that, man, well, how did people respond to Paul and Silas? It's like, well, let's beat them and flog, flog them, right? So, you know, you, you think you're doing great things for God, but yet people may not always be receptive. And as a matter of fact, they may try to, um, to, to take you out. And even if you step that back a little bit, just looking at it, at how people may respond to you. When another example I like to look at is in, in, John, in John 16, I think it's like in first or second um, verse, where it says, you know, that there will be people who will try to put you out of the synagogues, right? They will be people who will try to kill you. And even when they're doing that, they will actually think that they're doing God some kind of favor. So when I, when I, when I look at women who may want to do certain things in church or even aspire to do certain things in ministry, you have to understand that that's the kind of feedback and response you may get. So it's not necessarily glamorous. I know we see, but it, but it's not glamorous for the men either. It, it, it can be, but it does, it's not necessarily always that way. But for a woman, uh, you know, you, you may be subjecting yourself to that kind of treatment now. And if you feel as though God has called you for that and I'm going to do this because God has put it on my heart and I know that, that that's my life mission, I would say, wow, okay, go for it, right? And now, and then of course, you know, when I talk about women, people may try to kill you or put you out of the synagogues, we, we look at... Uh, the scriptures to see how we're going to, to uh, address that. And then one of the scriptures that people go to and say, hey, women, you shouldn't do anything is First um, Corinthians um, 14 and, 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 and more specifically, First Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. That's what we're going to discuss today. Right. So, Professor, if I could just don't call me that. Uh -huh. Well, you are. You are. You 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 really are. And I I enjoy listening to you expounding on the scriptures because you you and i've told you this for years when you read the scriptures you get so much out of them almost like when you as soon as you open the book whereas i have to study and work really hard to to glean what i'm gleaning where i'm running to you like oh tony this is what the lord is showing me but before we go into that i just want to i i just want to stop us for a minute and really go in for a minute for women okay Women who believe they are called because that's big. And you talked about it from, you know, the 40,000 foot view, mm -hmm. but really going into what it takes for a woman to, first of all, believe she's heard that. And then secondly, to accept that to be true for her life. And even if she accepts it, now she has to go put it into practice, go okay, do it, which so is where a lot of people three. struggle with a lot of things anyway. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about a woman being able to take on a role, a call, a, and have responsibility in an area where she already knows she is not going to be well received. If, she, if she's smart, she should know that. If she and, and if, if she's smart and has proper expectations, well, she should know and that. And experience, mm -hmm. because even if we don't and feel that's, called, that's what I mean by the smart, the experience, the, the your experience should show. It's almost like when you're looking at investing, right? Past performance and future results. Past performance should show you that you're not going to be received, right? Mm -hmm. So knowing that and still feeling that inside, it takes a whole lot of courage to still say, "I'm going to go. I'm going to do. I'm going to be," and so. When you say, um, if you if you feel that and you can go do that, kudos to you. Like it's 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 a lot to that kudos. 
Yeah, I mean, you know what, Nicole, and, and the reason I say that is because I, I think when it comes to ministry in general and then and, and, they, and more specifically having a ministry title, I don't think we, especially here in America, I, don't, I can't really necessarily speak for people in other countries, but I know what we see here, I don't think people take that seriously enough mm -hmm. to know that I am actually doing this, God has called me to do this, and this is for his glory, not necessarily for my own personal edification. I am a vessel that's being used by him to uh, represent his kingdom on this planet, and I'm going to be... My lifestyle is going to be an example. You know, one of the things we, we love, Apostle Paul, right? Follow me as I follow Christ. We want to, we want to be able to live that kind of lifestyle and, and bring other people in and, and have major influence there. And there are certain things that we need to do. There are certain things we need to do a certain way and realize that I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. You know, just some of those fundamental teachings. And I, I think that's missing from ministry in, in general. So I think all of us need to have, if we're going to get into ministry, I think, those are some foundational teachings, some foundational principles we need to go into it with. But also understanding, even when we talk about the book of, 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 of uh, 1 Corinthians and, and what was happening in, in Corinth, I guess we'll get into that um, momentarily. But just, um, just um, structurally, like how, how do I live this Christian life in an environment that may not be um, pro-Christian? But yet I'm going to still represent God because there are certain things that God wants me to do. And, and that's man or woman. But because of the cultural biases that we have against women, even many years after Jesus's um, birth, death and resurrection, those cultural biases still haven't gone away. And how do we fit into that as Christians as a whole and then even even more specifically women. But I think it's, it's, a, it's something that we need to take very seriously if we're going to say I'm in ministry. It's not just so I can be a big shot and wear my collar backwards and go get respect in certain communities. Right. Well said. Mm -hmm. Okay. We can proceed. Okay. Well, where, where do we leave off before you... You were about to go into the try scripture. Try to give me some kudos. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So you, you, look at, you look at 1 Corinthians, but I, I think, you know, we, we talk about this being one of the scriptures where a lot of people are, um, they, they use it to... Um, I say put women in their place because, you know, there's, they talk about women being silent. As a matter of fact, not even being permitted to speak. But once again, I think we have to step back a little bit and, and, and just look at some things and, and look at like, what's in the canonized scriptures and, and what isn't. Because as we talk about women and, and how they're going to live their lives out, I think we need to look at that because the, here's, here's what I don't want. And because here's what I here's what I do see. I, I see it and I hear it. But here's what I don't want. I hear uh, people who will say things like, well, I don't believe in the Bible. And as and, and therefore, since I don't believe in the Bible, I want nothing to do with Christianity. And the reason I don't believe in the Bible and I don't want anything to do, to do with Christianity is because Christianity is a is a racist religion. It, I mean, it, it, it discriminates against people. It promotes slavery and and. And it becomes very difficult to defend that sometimes because they can point to scriptures, especially in the um, in the Old Testament, and show, hey, slavery was condoned. It's right there in your Bible. It's unambiguous. It tells you right there slavery was condoned. And we can, but I'm not going to spend too much time on that. It's there, right? But then you say, well, then, you know, a lot of times people make, make arguments like, well, that was Old Testament. Well, we're in the New Testament now. We're under grace. It's like, okay, well, how did the book of Philemon get in the um, New Testament because that's a book about a slave and as a matter of fact for the Apostle Paul one that we love we love his teaching when he was talking to Philemon about Onesimus he wasn't saying hey slavery is wrong he was just saying take the dude back but you don't see anything condoning slavery 
right there. So then we can get into our indentured servants and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is slavery was mentioned in the canonized scriptures, right? Is slavery with the indentured servitude and is slavery with the oppressive type slavery that we know it, it's there. And, and how do we talk about that? Right. So people will say, well, is there and then we can look at it being oppressive. It's oppressive, especially to women. And unfortunately, when Jesus came, we still had slavery after Jesus's resurrection. Um, he didn't take it away. He, he just didn't. Right. We have it in the Bible and there's nothing taking it away after that Bible scripture. So you can see how people can use that. People say, I want nothing to do with that. So I don't want people looking at the Bible as a racist or oppressive book. And because you can point to things there, like I said, it's right there. You can talk about it. We can debate it until we are 800 years old, right? And it is going to still be in the, in the uh, written scriptures. Um, and there's another thing too. Now, when we talk about um, that, we got to realize that people will say, well, the Bible says this, but it doesn't say that. And then and we use that a lot when it comes to Paul's teachings. Now, granted, the, the scriptures instruct us that the entire Bible was given to us for correction, instruction and reproof. But the reality is not everything that was written that happened was written in the canonized scriptures. And we and we tend to ignore that even if our history shows us otherwise. Or here's the other thing that we'll do. We may see something written with one that may have like one or two references and we even though we will see it we will say i will ne i won't explore that because it doesn't fit the narrative that i want to promote and i'm going to explore something else that was written about in maybe entire chapters or even in it was given whole books that made it into the canonized scriptures but i'm going to ignore all this and as a matter of fact so now people will say well you see the bible says this but it doesn't say that or it says this five times, but it was only said this one time. So I'm going to act like that one time doesn't exist. And therefore, people may feel like, hey, I'm left out and there's nothing in Christianity for me. So I, I, I think we need to um, look at that because, I mean, and just just some examples. I mean, we can see the Bible says, right, what's that in First Kings, I think it's like 14 or whatever. It'll tell us that there were no, not first. I mean, First Kings four. It'll tell us that. Uh, Solomon wrote over 3,000 Proverbs. You know, we look at Proverbs for wisdom. We'll teach our kids, hey, if you want to um, start reading the Bible and getting some practical application, start with Proverbs. And read, we love Proverbs. Read one a day, right? Yes. Read one a day. You'll get through it once a month. and You can go through it 12 times a year. For the most part, you'll definitely get through the first 28. Then other times you'll get through 30. Then for those other times of the month, you'll get through 31. You'll get about the, you'll hear about the, uh, the, the woman there. But the Bible only records 31. First Kings 432 tells us that Solomon wrote over 3000 Proverbs. What happened to those other 2000 plus? Was there no wisdom in that? Of course, the people who were exposed to those Proverbs, I'm sure they applied that, that wisdom uh, um, as well. Um, we will also see that. Um, let me see, like even with with Paul, we look at the instructions of Paul, even with the, um, the Corinthian church. First Corinthians five will tell us that Paul he wrote something to the church prior to that, but obviously that letter was lost. You mean prior to that letter that we're reading? Prior to the letter that we're reading right here that we're calling 1 Corinthians. And then we'll see, because then is, and that's even corroborated in 2 Corinthians towards the end, I think it's around the 13th chapter, where he'll say, this is the third time I'm coming to you. So we'll see that. So are we saying that the, the instructions that Paul gave to them in those other visits or those other letters didn't have any meaning to them? Of course they practiced those things. 
but it's not written in the canonized scriptures. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating just, well, go do a bunch of things that weren't written in the scriptures, but to use that argument that that wasn't written or it was only written one time, I don't know if that's a valid argument to show that certain things should or should not happen. Right. And I mean, you can think about even with Jesus, all the miracles and things that he performed that they say couldn't be contained in this book. Or in the Old Testament. Well, as a matter of fact, they say it wouldn't be enough, at that time, wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain them if they were all recorded. That? But yeah, are we going to say that they didn't exist? And the same in the Old Testament. As we were learning about the kings and what they were doing and all that was happening, they would say, and there's, there are more books that could tell more of their life stories and more of the things that they did, but we don't have access to those. We don't have access. But to it them. doesn't mean it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that it happened. It doesn't mean that it wasn't true. So, look, so here's what I'm going to say to women, and I guess we'll get into the scripture that you wanted to talk about it, uh, with this particular um, session. But I, I think it's just important to really just look at all this stuff in context as we're looking at how we're going to live our lives in the 21st century and how do we apply the Bible to our lives so that we can be that all that God has, wanted to, has called us to be. And then, of course, we look at, and I'm going to say, there, there is oppression with women. And people can use the Bible to oppress women and, and think that they're just doing God a favor. And um, if that's what you want to do with your wife, then go for it. If, if you have a daughter and you love her and you want to oppress her, that's between you and God. But I think a lot of I, what I would say to a lot of men, I don't use, really use the wife so much. I like to use the daughter because a lot of men like to boss their wives around. But I, I mean, but I, there are two questions I usually like to ask. I usually like to ask men. Uh, when it comes to marriage, I would say if you had a daughter and you really loved her, would you want her husband to treat her the way you treat your wife and you really loved her? And if you think women and if you had a daughter and you really loved her and you wanted her to be all has God has called her to be. You tell me the limitations you want to put on her and then use the Bible to justify that. And then I let people um um, make their own rationalizations from there. So, when it comes to um, Corinthians, let me say this about Paul before we get into Corinthians as well. Okay. Because even even with Paul, some of the some of the things that Paul said, he will say that this is from me and not necessarily from the Lord. And I think we have to distinguish that: is this Paul's personal preference, or was this a direct command from God? We we have to look at that. Because that that's and we can probably explore that a little later, maybe some subsequent conversations. But let's go ahead and get into. Well, it, well, no, I think this is good because not only um, that point you just made about some of the things Paul would say were from him and some were from the Lord. But I think it's also important to point out right here. And you can say if you know you want to hit it now, because we probably won't be able to get fully into First Corinthians yet because we got to set that up. But what we can talk about is Paul's work with women. And other work that women did in the Bible that shows and dispels the fact that women were not leaders or women were not used or not in ministry. Yeah, you know, that, that's very true. I think you can look at that with Paul and, and with Jesus, right? We can look at, well, Jesus or well, women being silent, women working in ministry. Well, we can see women working clearly with men in, in ministry, but we can say that they weren't in these positions. <laughs> but then a question I would even ask is, well, we look at who um, Jesus pointed as apostles. Were any of them not Jewish? Mm. If we're going to look at how Jesus did it, well, then why are we have all these non-Jewish people trying to be apostles or trying to have leadership positions? Should we all, all of us who are not naturally 
Jewish? Should we just be going trying to find some rabbis and get under their ministry? Because if we're going to do it according to the Bible, or if you look at somebody like Paul, we, we may have statements that we're going to get into here. Do we say, well, we're going to ignore all the other things that Paul did in ministry with women? Because we have Jesus and Paul as our examples, how they utilize women in their ministries. And we can see how women fit. And we, and we have to look at the also written because, like, once again, I say you can look at certain scriptures and say, absolutely not. But then you can look at other scriptures that would say, hmm, maybe there's another application here. And, and how do we balance it out? So now women who may feel oppressed, are we going to let the culture of, the, of today put us in a, in a box? Or are we actually going to look at the ministries of examples given to us by Jesus and Paul to show that how women can be used? You know, and Paul can be a little tricky because. We're about to dive into a scripture here that shows that maybe he may not be favoring women, right? But when we look at um, Corinth, I mean, and you and I, you know, we've talked about this extensively. And most people know when, you, when you're looking at each other, like, okay, how do I put this in this proper context, right? So what was what was happening in Corinth? You know, you see Paul, he was menaced, he menaced there, you know, he actually on his um, second missionary journey, you know, the, the, one of the key things there, he was actually living with Priscilla and Aquila, then he left. But and, and then he saw some things that were just going awry in the city. And, and most people know that that Corinthians or Corinth was a was a was a place that was kind of um, was kind of foul. And as a matter of fact, what, what, what does it say? You know, um, Corinth, what do we say about Corinth is it's, we, we know that there was a lot of uh, immorality there, especially sexual immorality. Right. And as a matter of fact, they even had a, a, a great temple of Aphrodite there. Right. So why, why is that important? You know, because with that time, they said they had like over a thousand prostitutes. In other words, as you like to say, the people there were off the chain. Right. That's, that's how you like to say it. As a matter of fact, even more specifically, the women were off the chains. Right. But yet now, if these women are com now coming into your church and they are already off the chains, what kind of attitude, what kind of behaviors are they bringing into your places of worship? Mm-hmm. Now, and if I'm and if I'm seeing that and, and they're bringing this corrupt culture into my place of worship, I need to address it. How would I address that? I, I look at it no differently now than like in, in today's environment, especially in our city. I know every place has its own kind of vibe. But I can tell you here in, in Baltimore, you'll see, especially with our youth, respect for authority is completely out the window. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is no respect for authority. I mean, whether you are a parent, you don't see any respect for authority. You don't see, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times you see some child striking a teacher in the classroom. I mean, just like physical fights. I mean, you're talking about girls hitting men teachers. I mean, women teachers, you see it with the um, bus drivers, fights getting with the bus drivers. You see it with the police. You see no respect for authority anywhere. And you definitely don't see it with the clergy, right? As a matter of fact, the way we... They treat the clergy and talk about the clergy is just absolutely deplorable. So there is no respect for authority. So and if someone was to write a letter and talk about how you wanted to um, have a certain kind of structure in the church and, you, and, and somebody said, but I want to reach the millennials. Mm -hmm. I want to reach the youth. You would think that there will probably be some kind of instruction in there about authority. And that's what was happening. That's what would happen today. And I think that's what was happening back then. You had to deal with what was happening with the women, because in addition to that, the Paul was addressing some of the morality of the day, but the people also had some specific questions about how do I deal 
with some stuff that's going on in our church. And right. We, go ahead. Right. Well, so when we talk about the, the women and the way that they were into idolatry and the debauchery and the immorality and all that was going on, if you bring that present day, because you gave the example of millennials, just think if you were, if you invited, because um, my background is social work, so I started thinking about, say, if there is a... Um, a home, a youth, a home for youth, mm-hmm. and you decide I'm gonna take all the youth that are in this housing unit, and I'm gonna take them all to church together. Okay. Or say it's the local gang in the neighborhood. As you were coming to church, you saw them all on the corner, so you invited them to church. These are, let's say, they're unchurched people. Mm-hmm. They didn't grow up in the church. They don't know the formalities of church. And so, between the youth that come from the home. Or the the kids out on the block who are in the gang, they come to church and now you want them to sit and act in a way that we act or we behave when we have church service. Well, they don't know that yet. And so they won't do it. So they won't do it. They're going to do what they're accustomed to doing or acting the way they're accustomed to acting until they receive instruction on the right way to do it. And that's what we're having here with Paul. It was instruction for how to have order how to behave and the conduct of the services from which these people who were unchurched were now coming in, believing in the Lord Jesus and wanting to be a part of the services held there. And not only that, not only were they unchurched, but I mean, but like, as you said, they were coming in unchurched from a place that was off the chains. Off the chains. So, you know what? We're going to have to pick this up because at this point, yeah, before we try to go in, but I think this is a good point because we're, we're setting the stage and we'll take it from here to take us into um, Corinth. Okay, good. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you think people got enough to think about. Yes. Even though we didn't get into the scripture. Yeah, I think okay. so because it was about how to look at scripture. Okay. And what to consider when taking a scripture out of its context or not in its totality, considering all the other things that have happened in the canonized scriptures from which we get our correction, training, reproof, and inspiration. Okay. Okay. Okay, good. All right. So join us next time. And we are going into Corinth to see what was going on in that church as Paul was instructing the men and women on how to conduct themselves in Jesus name. If you have a topic you would like to hear discussed, please submit them at eveworeareyou.com. Or for church leaders in need of assistance in addressing these types of matters, Please contact me by going to my website to submit a request for consultation. To stay connected, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Nicole Davis One and Instagram at Eve Where Are You. Now, with that said, let's go be a positive force and lift up every woman everywhere. Thank you for listening.